So I was excited to hear I got to preach today. Because not only Thanksgiving weekend, but it's the first Sunday of Advent. It's the Sunday of Hope. And what is great about Advent is it means Christmas is here. It means you get to go around and Christmas carols are being sung everywhere and people don't look at the Swensons or us like we're weird anymore. And we love Christmas. And I promise this will also be an Advent sermon, but because it's Thanksgiving weekend, it's a Thanksgiving sermon as well. So we're going to look at being thankful in verse Four, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So you may have noticed I skipped over verse three. We're not going to go straight through Psalm 100. We're going to skip around slightly, but just because I like the order I picked, not because I think I'm better than God, but because it's how the message is happening. Why do we thank God, what reasons do we have to give thanksgiving, to be thankful? In verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. So we're thankful because God is God. Verse 5, for the Lord is good. We're thankful because God is good. Verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. And because I'm Baptist at heart, I had to go for alliteration. So, we're thankful because God is God, God is good, and God gives gifts. You might be wondering what verse 2 has to do with gifts. Like I said, I have my order, so we're starting with verse 3, God is God. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So God deserves our praise and thanksgiving because he is our creator and Lord. Revelation 4.11 has that heavenly scene where you see the cherubim flying around and the 24 elders around God's throne. At this point, those elders have gotten up and then bowed down before God. And they say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Who deserves all glory and honor? Because let's just look at what we do. I have a booming voice. How many people have small electronic devices? Like a cell phone. And how often do you get upset with your little device for not working? And who made them? And who operates them? Look at our government. 
who has had a perfect government yet. Let's bring it home. How many of us run our households perfectly? Because we never have any fights or lose anything or break anything. If we can't get our electronics, our governments, even our familial relationships right, do you think we could handle all of creation? Let's be thankful we know of one who can control it all. Which leads to Exodus chapter 20. If you know your Bibles, you know that Exodus chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. And what is the first one? I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Is God saying, make sure I'm your favorite God? Make sure you just don't talk to the other gods that are out there? No. He's saying... There isn't even another God. Don't try. Don't try to be God. Don't try to make a God. Oh, the next commandment. Don't make any graven image. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In other words, God is in control of everything. Hold all things together. It's being in James 1. 
16 through 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So, we're thankful because God is good. And he is the source of all that is good. And we know we can trust that because he doesn't change. We see that God's mercy extends to all people. Like Jesus said in Matthew 5.45, For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. But his grace and ultimate good are reserved for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we can see God is good. He makes things good. We know he remakes all things eventually, and he starts with us. So we are thankful that God is good. And then we get back to Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. So now I finally answer, where do you see gifts in this verse? Well, what are his gifts? What has he given to us? First of all, we have his word, the Bible. It is where he has revealed himself to us. It is his gift to us so that we could get to know him. I wanted to start this out with a joke that today we'd be going through Psalm 119, all 178 verses. We would be here for a very long time and I wouldn't have been able to finish the first service yet. But if you read Psalm 119, it's long, but what is the whole point of Psalm 119? Your word is good. Your word is amazing. Your law is good. Now why would we say the law is good? Because isn't it a bunch of do nots and don'ts? Well, it's also, as Paul reminded us, that thing that shows us God has a standard So it's good because it shows us God's character. But how many of us have fulfilled it perfectly? We are thankful for the gift of his word. I should probably do a better job as youth pastor reminding my youth that our foundational verse for the youth group is Ephesians 2.20. Do you remember? We are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That is a euphemism 
The prophets are the Old Testament. The apostles are the New Testament. All of Scripture, our foundation as a church, is Scripture. Centered around, anchored on, built off of Jesus Christ. We have too many people today who don't use God's Word as the foundation for their life, their ministry, their teaching, their preaching. They are those who, oh yeah, this is God's Word, and look, we have this little bit that we can use. But their foundation is more based on what makes me happy, what brings me money, what gets me good health. They're not starting with God's word. They're starting with themselves. So go back to that first point. Too many teachers today make themselves God by claiming this is what God wants and what God has said. And it's true. We may get good health and wealth in this life, but that is not the guarantee we get from Scripture. John 14.33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, trials, trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So what other gift are we given by God that we are thankful for? Is peace. When we remember he's God, he is the only one true good God who saved us. He is our source of peace. Where does this peace come from? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace... You have been saved by faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So firstly, what's the gift? What are we thankful for? What does our peace come from? His grace and forgiveness as shown through the cross. But now we get back into Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. One of his gifts is good works. What are good works? Is it going to work, doing your job, being nice to people? Yes. But what does God's word say? Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Our good works are to help people 
in need, whether it be the orphans and the widows, or it just be anybody. Let us do good to everyone. We help everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We are supposed to help each other as Christians, as members of the body of Christ, first. And what I love about the church is if we are doing it right, what happens when we try to help each other in the church? Oh, I see you're in need. Let me help you. Oh, you could help me, but that person doesn't know Jesus yet. Instead of helping me, help them. Maybe they will come to glorify God. If we're doing this right, we're not seeking our own needs. We know God will take care of us. Consider the fields of the... The the flowers of the field. The birds of the air. God's got this. Our God, the one true and good God who gives us every good and every perfect gift can take care of us. He might not meet all our needs in this world, but he'll use us to meet the needs of others. Because what does... God say, such as Isaiah 58. It's the passage about the true fast, when God rebukes the priests of Israel, saying, you bring me your sacrifices and your offerings, but I don't want that. What is the true fast? It is to loose the bonds. It is to break the shackles. It is to rebuild the roads and the houses. God doesn't care for our money or our possessions. What does he want more than anything? Our hearts and our minds. So what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is the one road we should be helping to rebuild the most? How about that narrow road? Youth, I give you the reminder you have until Christmas to quote a verse, well, three verses, from memory, and then you get a candy bar. It's big. Only weighs about five pounds. What are those verses? Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. We are told by God's word that we who believe have received his peace through his grace and forgiveness, being his master workmanship to do his work of reconciling a lost and hurting world to him through our good works that bring glory to his name and sharing the good news of his first coming, his first advent, and his second coming, 
or his second advent. We have that hope. But now we ask, how do we live a life of gratitude, of thanksgiving? There are many different ways. But first, we're going to look at Luke chapter 19. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to breeze through this. First 10 verses, we have Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the short man who had to climb a tree because he couldn't see Jesus coming. And Jesus looks up and, you, having dinner at your place, let's go. Just like that. He might be from the Bronx. But what happened? Jesus showed a little bit of kindness to this little man. And that little bit of kindness caused him to change his ways, literally to repent, to change his whole way of thinking. Because most of us know tax collectors were told, sometimes even encouraged, yeah, collect the taxes, don't be afraid to pad those numbers a bit so you can get a little for yourself. And what does this man do? If I have wronged anybody... I will pay them back up to four times. We show thankfulness by repenting of our sins and trusting in Jesus' work of salvation through the cross and then doing the same, forgiving others, giving more to others, sometimes spending of ourselves so much we don't know how we can keep going. In Luke 17, we read of the ten lepers healed by Jesus. Okay, go show yourselves to the priest and give the sacrifices commanded by Moses. How many came back to thank Jesus? One. We show thankfulness by worshiping our God who has cleansed us of our sins and possibly even healed us of our physical, mental, emotional afflictions. It always makes me think of 21 years ago, 15, 16-year-old kid, and I had chronic anxiety to the point I could have been gone from home for days, this is a true story, and start worrying, did I leave the oven on that I hadn't used in two weeks? Am I going to come home because the house burned down because I left the oven on? Or on Independence Day, July 4th, am I going to be able to get all my homework done this year? Did I finish all of my assignments properly this last year? And then you get to January 9th, 2000, and it clicked. Oh, yeah, okay, I believe you died for me. I believe you are my Savior. I don't know what it looks like to live it out, but I believe it. Show me how. And it took me a couple weeks to realize that for a couple weeks I hadn't been worrying about everything. It was like that, but I didn't realize it right away. I just kept doing the same thing but it still took me another six months to fully commit. But it took all those little, oh, 
Oh, oh. And when it all clicked, who did I turn to? Because I didn't do anything. I didn't stop my worrying. I'm not the one that consciously chose to turn on the Christian music in the house and then leave it playing and annoying my parents. Who became Christians later that year? No, it was all him. So I have to give him all things, which kind of leads into the next point, which I'll preface with saying, don't forget, this Tuesday is Giving Tuesday. We support some missionaries. We have a building fund. The church pays me a little bit. So if you want to give to the church. And while I joke around a little bit, a little bit, in Luke 21, verses 1 through 4, we read about this poor widow who is going in with all the other people. All these people dropping in big sums of money, and then she drops in two copper coins, two pennies. And what does Jesus tell us? She didn't give out of her abundance. She didn't give because she was told, give or else. She gave everything she had to live on. Because she was thankful to God. We show thankfulness by giving to God, not out of an obligation, not out of our excess. Oh, I just made $80,000. I'm going to go give my 8000 We don't teach here at the church next door in a mandatory tithe. We are in the church age now. Jesus has come. The tithe is not mandatory. Because what does God desire? He wants us to give out of gratitude. God loves a cheerful giver. Isaiah 58, what was the rebuke against the priests? I don't care about your sacrifices. I don't care about your offerings. I want you. If you love me, you will obey my commands. We give in gratitude. We even give sacrificially. What is our biggest reason for giving? Because we want to help glorify God, to help spread the gospel. Colossians three, twelve through 17. If you come in our house and look over the chair I sit in, we actually have this framed. I've had it for about 12 years. We've only been married 11 and a half, so we've had it for a while. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. We live thankful lives by showing compassion, having compassion for others. Kindness. We're just nice to people. That's how we show thankfulness to God. Humility knowing our strengths and weaknesses and that it's not about us. It's all about him. So that we can put on meekness and patience. And this isn't weakness. Meekness is different. We might be the doormat. 
and that's okay. Because the doormat says welcome and holds up the person coming and might even clean their feet. So we're patient with them, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. We show our thankfulness by being forgiving. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is why we're doing the memory verses. That I didn't remember this week. But it's okay, we're not doing memory verses because they're in Mark and we're taking a break from Mark. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I will say there's one place we should never be a doormat. And I've already made mention to it. somebody is twisting scripture, defaming God, using his name in vain incorrectly, we don't just lay down and take that. We don't defend God's word. We use God's word as a defense. Does that make sense? The whole time we are being thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In all things we are thankful, even persecution. When things don't seem to be going right. Even when doing the dishes. Cleaning up after our pets. Or siblings. Or kids. Or parents. Or friends. When we're paying bills. Going to work. Being at work. Watching the news. Driving in traffic. Being stuck at home during a pandemic. We can still be thankful. We can even be thankful when we're watching our favorite show or movie, when we're listening to our favorite song, when we're driving down an open road and nobody's getting in the way or cutting you off. Going to a game or a movie or an event, buying a new car or video game or toy or a tool, hanging out with your best friend. In all things, we are thankful. For this is the will of God. Now I'm getting into the last section. And I barely got through it in the first service. 
But one more reason we have to be thankful. I added this at 10 o'clock last night. But it is a reminder for us on this first Sunday of Advent. Sunday of hope. And while I go through the first bit, I'll let anybody who wants to turn to Revelation chapter 8. Because I can already hear some of the complaints from people, some of the rebuttals, the oh yeah. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? If God is so good, why does he allow evil? And the first response is, who's good? No one is good but God alone. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as Isaiah reminded us, even our good works, apart from Christ, are like filthy rags. We are all worthy of punishment. Really, we should be asking, why does he allow good things to happen to us? But why does he allow evil things? I'll give a trigger warning right now. Like I said, I had trouble getting through this in the first service. Firstly, why does he allow evil? Free will. If he stopped every single evil act, every single evil thought, we would not be able to do evil. We would not be able to choose to go against God. And if it's not a choice, is it really love? So he allows evil because he loves us and wants us to love him. The second part of this is in Revelation 8, 1 through 5. We have been seeing Jesus, the Lamb of God, open the seals on the scroll and God's judgment beginning to come on the earth. And when we get to chapter 8, we read this. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. What does this have to do with God allowing evil? Jesus shows John here 
that in the midst of all of the suffering, we cause each other. He's listening to our prayers. He hears all of our cries for help. And sometimes, yes, he steps in and he ends the evil. He rescues the people from abuse, from sex trafficking, from the evil oppressor who doesn't let people have any freedoms. At the same time, he's right there with his chosen child who's hurting. And he's saying, it's okay. I'm here. I'm with you. I hear you. Punishment is certain. And he's right there looking at the abuser, the mocker, the murderer, the liar. And he's saying, repent. His punishment is certain. If you are one who is hurting, dealing with something, you, it just weighs out down on you. It hurts. Or you've been through abuse. You've dealt with those who do evil. God hears you. He's promised his judgment and his wrath is coming. And for the abuser, the mocker, the murderer, the liar, he says, turn to me. I took the punishment. I took God's wrath. Stop. Because if you don't meet me at the cross where I took your punishment, you are still under God's wrath. Repent of your sin and receive my grace. Second Corinthians one twenty. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. All of God's promises come true. He has come to take our punishment. And we can be thankful He's coming again. And when he comes, the punishment will be complete. If we are found in him, it is complete. We give thanks to our one true and good God for the gifts of his promises his grace and forgiveness, his word, his peace, 
and that he will, once and for all, finally deal with sin and evil. So we can be thankful if we are his, we have put our trust in his sacrifice so that while we wait for his second coming, we can say, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Our good, gracious, amazing Heavenly Father, we come to you in thankfulness because all of your promises come true. And you promised to save us from your wrath. You promised to save us from destruction, from our very own sins. And so you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And it is all revealed to us in your good word. So we thank you for who you are and all that you have done. And we ask that you continue to give us a grateful heart, continue to guide us in all truth, to defend your honor with your word, and that in all things we can trust in you, because what you have said you will bring to pass, and you do not change. We can trust in you to help us to ever be mindful of who you are, what you have done, all that you have done for us, and that you have given us the job of reaching out to this lost, broken world. Help us to be better ambassadors for you as you shape us ever more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand together.